Welcome to California Groundbreakers, a place that sets trends, starts movements, and shakes up how things are done around the world. We're inviting interesting people doing innovative things to sit down and talk with us about how they're asking and answering the big questions facing all Californians. Our goal is to inspire change across the state, one conversation at a time. Election 2018 is in full swing, and now is the time to start figuring out how you're going to vote. For this edition of our politics-focused series, Policy in a Pint, we're taking a look at Proposition 12, a state ballot measure that would require bigger cages for farm animals and ban the sale of meat and eggs from animals confined in areas below a specific number of square feet. Proposition 12 supporters say this measure can improve the welfare of animals without jeopardizing their food supplies. But agricultural industry groups say it would require farmers to completely overhaul the way that they operate potentially driving some out of business and raising the prices of eggs, pork, and veal. Other animal welfare groups argue that Proposition 12 doesn't go far enough, and voting for it would actually mean worse treatment of farm animals. We're down in the basement of Roostaller's Tap Room in Sacramento to have a discussion of farm animal welfare in California, Proposition 12, and what it will mean if you vote yay or nay on it. We're going to take a look at uh, Prop 12, which uh, it's a state ballot measure, the last one on, on the list, that would ban the sale of meat and eggs from calves raised for veal, breeding pigs, and egg-laying hens that are confined in areas below a specific number of square feet. And to me, it's very much like Proposition 3 when I read that water bond slam dunk. I mean, all the environmental groups would be behind it. Um, no. And it, this one seems very similar where I thought a lot of um, well, most, if not all, the state and national animal welfare groups would be uh, behind it, but that's not true. So, the humane, a little bit of the background, uh, the Humane Society of the United States, which got Proposition 12 on the ballot, uh, says it's needed, this proposition is needed to set minimum space standards for chicken, calves, and pigs. And it has support from the ASPCA, Animal Legal Defense uh, Fund, National Consumers League, among other organizations. But other th groups that you think, or at least I thought, would support it, like uh, uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, uh, and the Humane Farming Association, the organization that Bradley was going to come here and uh, 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 represent, are against Proposition 12. And I've been reading that they're saying it's only meant to make voters feel like they're helping animals. And voting for this actually makes for worse treatment of these animals. So. We're going to talk with, obviously, uh, Chris Holbein here, who is for Prop 12. And I'm going to try and ask some devil's advocate questions that maybe Bradley would ask. or, or um, And this is where audience participation is, is definitely needed. I feel like um, with every proposition, there's always a good backstory. So far, the ones that we've done for our policy and appliance, there's always a good backstory. Sometimes there's a proposition that we've already passed that is connected to it and and this is one of those that there is so we're going to go into that but i just always like to have the panelists introduce themselves their get their name and organization obviously um and also i always like to have ask a personal note because i'd like to know a little bit about you the person so for this one we're talking about farming so i wanted to know if you had a farming background you know raising animals working on a farm how you got involved with the organization you're with now humane society so yeah, name, current role, organization, a little bit of your farming background. Well, thank you all so much for having me. It's really nice to be here. 
Uh, so my name is Chris Holbein. I work at the Humane Society of the United States. I'm the public policy director for farm animal protection. Uh, I do not have a farming background. Um, I spent a good amount of time uh, doing uh, the WOOF program, Willing Workers on Organic Farms, where you uh, trade labor for uh, uh, room and board. Um, so I've, I've had some, some experience. Um, I got involved and came to the Humane Society. Um, it's been a long path that I've been very uh, passionate about this issue. You know, uh, I remember when um, I was uh, in middle school, a teacher showed me a video of how animals are treated in today's factory farms including animals locked in cages so small they can't move an inch. And I was horrified. Um, and, you know, I, I had all sorts of pets. Uh, but this, for the first time, made me start thinking about animals used for food, who previously I hadn't thought about. And it became a passion of mine, and I've been uh, an activist in the movement ever since. Um, ironically, I actually worked at PETA for <laughs> nine years. Uh, and uh, I've been at, H at the Humane Society of the United States uh, for just over five. So yeah, my whole my whole career is is dedicated to chickens, pigs, and calves. And I, I know that sounds a little funny, uh, especially when I tell people I'm a lobbyist for chickens. Um, but there's not many of us. But uh, you know, I am passionate about this because these animals feel pain and suffer just like the dogs and cats we love and we share our homes with. And um, you know, the only reason that uh, you know. They're just treated so horribly, and the only reason is just because how humans see them differently. So, um, so that's that's my passion. Did you want to give uh, the backstory on this measure? Well, uh, that's my that's gonna be my first question for you. Is the backstory? Um, we there's a proposition too that California passed how many years ago? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. So Proposition 2 we passed. So I wanted to ask you, because this connects into Proposition 12 that we're looking at this evening. Uh, give us the history on Proposition 2. And what did it cover? And then why the decision to go, I guess, further or add on um, a new Proposition 12? So how does Prop 2 turn into now looking at Proposition 12? Yeah, good question. So Prop 2 which passed in 2008 with an overwhelming majority of uh, California voters, uh, required that three species of animals um, be given better conditions. These three species are commonly locked in cages, um, barely larger than their own bodies. That includes calves for real, um, pigs used uh, for breeding, mother pigs, and uh, hens used for eggs. Our measure, Prop 2, said that these animals must have enough space to stand up, turn around, and extend their limbs. Modest requirement, but it had big impacts. In the decades since, uh, the momentum set off largely by Prop 2 has caused, uh, and, and, and also the campaigning of my group and our allies, and uh, consumer sentiment, has caused more than 200 of the world's leading food companies to announce cage-free policies, including Walmart and Dollar Tree and McDonald's. Uh, and also, we're now up to a dozen states in which uh, are cracking down on confinement in some form. So uh, Prop 2 was a major success in that it uh, got uh, the ball really rolling in terms of uh, getting these animals out of the absolute worst conditions. But uh, 
10 years later, we're at a point where uh, some of these animals are still in cages and we need, uh, and also Prop 12 uh, takes some really sensible next steps. Um, the difference between Prop 12 and Prop 2 is Prop 12 explicitly requires cage-free conditions, not an enormous amount of space, um, but enough space for these animals to exhibit some of their natural behaviors. Um, and it requires, uh, most importantly, that meat or eggs sold in California, regardless of whether they're produced in Georgia or uh, North Carolina or Missouri uh, or China or Brazil, you know, um, that they uh, come from facilities that meet the same standards, which, uh, which is a way to make sure uh, that nobody's being undercut because, uh, and to also enhance the food safety of the California food supply, which I'm happy to talk about if you want. Okay, great. So this measure is backed by uh, a, a large string of animal protection groups, uh, all of the groups that have led in successfully um, pushing for reforms uh, for farm animals over over the um, the past decade. But it's also endorsed by the Center for Food Safety, the nation's leading food safety uh, advocacy group, and they endorse that because more than a dozen studies have found that locking hens in cages uh, increases the risk of salmonella. And uh, it makes sense, you know, if you think about it, animals who are locked wing to wing in cages so small they can't move in sheds with hundreds of thousands of other birds, disease spreads like wildfire, their immune system uh, becomes weakened. And that salmonella is often then uh, transmitted into the eggs. Uh, 80,000, approximately 80,000 Americans every year are sickened by eggs tainted with salmonella. And a large part of that is because of the horrible conditions that the hens are raised in. And, you know, for those of us who are fortunate enough to be relatively healthy adults, uh, salmonella is a really bad couple days. But salmonella can be deadly for children and the elderly. Uh, so that's why the Center for Food Safety believes so strongly in supporting um, uh, Prop 12. And obviously, we mentioned that you flew here from Maryland, from the Humane Society of the United States. I believe, if, I, if I'm correct, uh, the Humane Society um, sponsored Proposition 2 back in the day, yeah. and then Prop 12. So there might be some question about why is an organization that is headquartered in, in Washington, D.C., coming here to our state and putting ballot initiatives um, when maybe it should be uh, a more local organization, you know, um, the why why here and why the Humane Society sure. to be the one to do that? Yeah, reasonable question. Well, we have partners up and down the state, including San Diego Humane Society, San Francisco, SPCA, so many shelters across uh, across the state. Problem is, is uh, putting a measure on the ballot costs money, and uh, there's all this desire to make better conditions for farm animals, but it really helps to have a group um, like the Humane Society of the United States, our size, um, that can help provide some of the funding. Now we've gotten donations uh, from um, people up and down the state, uh, you know, organizations that are based here in California. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really proud of the coalition. The coalition includes more than 500 California veterinarians, includes more than 100 California family farmers. Um, and, and all sorts of other uh, California-based groups. So we're excited to work with them on this. Okay, so I obviously Bradley was going to list why his organization, the Humane Farming Association, PETA, is another one who, that's against Proposition 12. I think when I was looking at their website, um, one of the things that they were saying was Proposition 12 
would require that these animals all be cage-free by the beginning of 2022. But apparently, Prop 2 passaging was supposed to ban egg industry cages statewide by 2015, and it didn't. Why? Why did that not happen? Sure. So, so, cow, so Prop 2 uh, specified that animals must be... Can you hear me? Okay. Must have a, enough space to stand up, turn around, and extend their limbs. At the time, uh, both sides, the egg industry, which at that point was fiercely against this measure, um, and the advocates for the measure, um, all agreed that those behavioral standards entailed cage-free facilities. Um, you, you can go back and look at all the media reports. Nobody disagreed on that. In fact, egg industry thought it would, it would actually, or claimed that they thought it would actually require free range. Shortly after uh, Prop 2 passed, um, the California egg industry went to the California Department of Food and Agriculture and convinced them to uh, interpret the measure to allow hens to be continued to be caged, albeit with significantly more space than they had before. Uh, we, uh, it was a big step in the right direction, giving them a bit more space. Um, and many California farmers did go cage-free, and there's been tremendous, uh, as I mentioned, momentum caused by Prop 2. But we want to come, uh, but, we, but we, our coalition, all these farmers, we want to make sure Prop 12 passes, which will make it explicitly cage-free, and provide some other protections for these animals to get California uh, to where uh, the state really wants to be, which is cage-free. And um, I guess there's three years now. It's like the end of 2018. So this would be the uh, end of 2021. That's three years. Yep. Um, I think I read somewhere that some farmers, like that's, that's just not enough time. We already had a ramp up. Proposition two, and if Proposition twelve passes, then we have to change up everything again to meet the requirements for uh, Prop twelve, and that is going to cost money. It's going to—it's not enough time. Uh, it's just every few years or something we have to adapt to. Yeah. What what was what would be the, your response to that? So, when they passed in two thousand eight, as mentioned, um, Prop two, the egg industry agreed it meant cage free. Uh, and many producers did go cage-free, um, but some dragged their feet, uh, knowing that they could, or uh, hoping that they could win out and delay, delay, delay. Uh, even though the will of the California voters was crystal clear that they wanted cage-free conditions. So uh, for those that did drag their feet and didn't go cage-free, uh, this gives an additional three years, which in some ways is generous. Uh, to actually um, retrofit their their facilities, and you know, for a fa for a farmer uh, or for an egg producer, um, they periodically have to if they use cages, they have to retrofit the cages anyway because the cages rust from all the fecal matter that builds up and and uh, you know from living animals being inside them. So uh, you know, to switch, so they delayed for long enough. We think giving them three years and then it's done, uh, and we. Um, reach the cage-free California that voters overwhelmingly want. So, oops, how about that? Okay, so in terms of picturing cage-free, um, obviously when I picture cage-free, it would be out in a field yeah. with plenty of room, but I guess that's not gonna happen. What, uh, if Proposition 12 passes, what would cage-free look like visually? Um, yeah, what does that look like? 
Well, so in larger production systems uh, for either cage or cage-free eggs, it usually takes place in a large shed. Uh, the differences in in uh, in a sh in a battery cage facility, there's multiple tiers of of uh, cages stacked above each other with just little barriers in between. Uh, and these birds have less space in a typical battery cage than the dimensions of an iPad in which to live her whole life. Um, and that's 18 months uh, before she's killed because her egg production will um, slow down to a point that's less than profitable. So in battery cages, it's, it's the worst of the worst. Cage-free, you know, it's, um, it's not a utopian vision oftentimes. Sometimes, some, I mean, some farmers, um, like the ones we show in our ads, are, are really you know, going our free range and um, provide the highest enrichments. But a cage-free facility often looks like a lot of animals in a shed. Um, depending on the type of format that a uh, producer chooses, uh, the best type is, is what is, are called aviaries. And aviaries um, have different floors and uh, allow the birds to fulfill what is a, vi a very vital uh, natural uh, desire for them, which is to move different floors between elevation. If you see a bird, a, a hen, um, you know, if you had a backyard flock, they often will sleep in um, up on a, a perch or a tree branch. They that feels safe to them is to be away, and obviously, they're you know, uh, makes sense. They want to be away from coyotes and uh, other animals. And um, but Prop 12, in addition to uh, giving them more space and cage-free conditions, would also require them to be to have some enrichments that are incredibly important to their welfare, um, such as uh, ability to dust bathe, um, perches, and um, nesting boxes for them to lay eggs. So uh, you know, I mean, I, I know probably uh, the um, average listener out here, we might not no chickens preferences that well, but animal behavioral scientists have told us repeatedly that the perching, the dust bathing, uh, the nest boxes is, is something that these animals really crave. All right, so I'm gonna ask one more question and then I encourage people with questions to go to the mic. I'm trying to cover the overall things, but there's some specific details that I'll ask, but I do encourage audience questions. Um, so I think when I was reading in the Ballotpedia, the, the uh, opposition and their arguments, um, it seemed like, you know, Proposition 12 passed, um, cage-free was supposed to happen, it didn't, and there you go in terms of accountability and responsibility on the legislative side about making sure these things happen. Um, so for Proposition 12, if it passed, who would be in charge of overseeing all this, and how would we, the public, know that they're on the job and making sure the regulations are met? Does Proposition 12 address that in any way? Yeah, so, um, so this would be viewed as an animal cruelty issue, and it would be up to local law enforcement to enforce. And um, like is so often true with law enforcement and animal cruelty, it's complaint-based. So uh, a, a good comparison is, is uh, the police aren't going and knocking on everybody's door that has... Um, uh, a dog to see if they're running a dog fighting ring. Um, w they uh, get complaints, and if uh, then they follow up. And if the person is out of compliance, uh, then they can be uh, prosecuted under the law. It also strengthens um, protections uh, against uh, anyone running afoul of the measure by uh, giving other facilities, other companies, the right to to hold 
violators um, accountable uh, through um, through the court process. And that's a that's an important uh, deal because it will serve as a self check for the uh, for the ones that are trying to do the right thing and uh, abide by what the California voters want, uh, and uh, to make sure that that none of the bad actors are are getting away with uh, doing the wrong thing. All right, and then the California Legislative Analyst Office, like we mentioned before, they they look at propositions and estimate you know what the cost would be, cost savings. So if I if I read correctly here, they estimate it would, or at least the opponents are saying the estimates would be uh, taxpayers. Uh, it would cost us more than ten million dollars per year to enforce the provisions of Proposition Twelve. Uh, the farmers or the organizations that are against Prop Twelve are saying prices of eggs and pork would rise because farmers would have to build these new facilities. Um, Prop Twelve opponents also say there may be shortages of these foods. And uh, I think I read also somewhere some farmers, ranchers would decide to move out of state. They're like, more regulations, I'm done, I'm out. Uh, fewer supply here of, of these animals and costs would go up. Uh, do you see these happening? Uh, why or why not would this happen? Sure. Okay, so let's start with price. Um, the egg industry's own research uh, shows that the cost differential between producing a cage and a cage-free egg is only about a penny per egg. Um, currently, you pay higher at the grocery store for cage-free because uh, they know some consumers are willing to pay a significantly higher markup uh, for those uh, for, for those products. But once uh, Prop 12 becomes the law of the land, if you all uh, vote it into law, um, there won't be that ability to to charge that premium. And uh, we think um, so. The price issue is a pretty much a, a, a non-factor. Uh, the McDonald's, when they changed, they said that uh, they weren't going to raise prices by a penny. And other companies like Dollar Tree and Walmart that are very cost conscious and serve a lot of low income uh, people are, uh, are uh, saying they're switching to cage free as well. Now, uh, you know, for people who say, you know, what, if, what other effects will this have on lower income folks? Currently, right now, with a huge premium for cage-free uh, eggs, it's a situation where um, people, only upper middle class people, are generally buying them. But once cage-free becomes the law of the land and there isn't that big of a price difference, that'll mean Cal all California families will have more access to safer, affordable food. Uh, as mentioned, I mean, salmonella is 80,000 Americans every year just from eggs tainted with salmonella. Right now, we've got kind of a two-tiered pricing system um, but this would level level it out, and so uh, so all California families had access to to food that was that was safer. Um, in terms of farmers going out of state, we don't uh, think it's an issue at all because of what I mentioned before about this applies not just to farmers within California's boundaries, but to any producers uh, that are selling into California. So there would be no economic incentive for um, you know a state uh, uh, a producer to jump over the border and produce in Nevada and sell back here. Um, and um, what were the other questions you had? Oh, I guess uh, let's see. Shortage. Uh, oh, supply. shortage. Yeah. So shortage uh, is uh, so a lot of these companies are going cage free according to the same timeline. So producers that are smart are already getting cage free in. Um, and again, also, uh, the producers had uh, 10 plus years uh, to, uh, to know that California consumers want exclusively cage-free. And 
three years we think you know um, is is a good balance between uh, giving the farmers that have still hung on to their cages enough time to retrofit uh, and but also moving in expeditious manner so that uh, these reforms that Californians want to see happen uh, come into fruition. So we had some great questions in the last uh, discussion about Prop 3. No question is too dumb. Uh, I know I'm not going to cover everything. I'm sure there's some, still some outstanding questions. And incentive for anyone who goes to the mic and asks the question, the, your beer or soda is on me. Yeah, so think about your question. Go up to the mic. Um, all right, I would, while you're, oh, okay, good. So we have a question, and while you're coming up, and, um, I think I read here Proposition 12 apparently allows the use of small crates to confine calves in California while seeking to prohibit them in other states. Now, how would that work? And, and also, if, if this is like, you know, regulating interstate commerce of pork, you know, how is that going to survive legal and legislative challenges if, you know, California has one incentive and other states, how is that going to work? Sure. Okay. Well, first to the calf question, um, it, it, the same rules apply both to California producers and uh, producers elsewhere. Uh, you cannot, if, if Prop 12 passes, you will not be able to lock a baby newborn calf uh, into a cage so small he can't turn around. Uh, and it's worth thinking about what this really means for animal. You're talking about an animal who uh, just taken from his mother. Uh, it's 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 heart wrenching between the dairy and the veal industry. Uh, these these animals are screaming for their mothers. Their mothers are screaming back, uh, and they're then stuffed into a cage so small they can barely move. Um, mother pigs, for example, are smarter than dogs, and they're forced to live in cages. Uh, barely larger than their own bodies for four years. And all they can do day after day after day is not at the metal bars in front of them out of frustration and stress. So this, you know, these are real individual animals that this will, will benefit. Um, in terms of interstate commerce, uh, you know, sure, uh, uh, the factory farming interests in the Midwest, I'm sure we'll try and tie it up in court. Uh, but, but states have a long legal um, tradition of being able to set standards on the products that were sold within their borders, and we're very confident um, that we can uh, fend off any judicial or uh, legislative challenge. All right, so first question of the mic, and see me afterwards and I'll get you the, your beer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm involved in a lot of plant-based groups, which yeah. meaning, you know, we're very much into animal rights. Yeah. And um, a lot of the questions that have come up with this proposition, because there's a lot of infighting, right. frankly, w especially with this, is that with Prop 2, it didn't seem, and this is kind of similar to one of the questions that were already asked, that there wasn't a lot of enforcement with it, and that the Prop 12 is, frankly, pretty conservative in how it's handling the size and the amount um, that animals will be able to move um, in their farming environments. And so a lot of people within the plant-based community think that this could go a lot further and yeah. therefore they're very um, adamant in not voting for it because they think Californians can be more progressive right. and be able to vote for something that's even you know farther reaching than um, what is proposed in Prop 12. 
So for those people, um, what would you say would be the benefit in voting in favor for this proposition rather than abstaining and voting for something that would be even farther reaching? Great question. Uh, thank you very much. And, and thank you for your involvement in, um, in plant-based work. It's uh, one of those single best ways to reduce the suffering of farm animals. We can't, we can't uh, responsibly raise uh, billions of animals that we're currently consuming um, at this pace. So, so thank you for that. Um, I, uh, PETA is argument, uh, their executive vice president published a, a piece the other day about why they're uh, opposing, which is really strange because they're current, concurrently running a cage-free campaign in Europe that doesn't even go as far as this one. But they're saying they're opposing this one because, uh, because people just need to go vegan and the cage-free is not perfect. And literally the last sentence of, their, of, their, uh, of her um, piece uh, said something to the effect of, uh, don't go cage-free, go egg-free. Um, I, I personally am a vegan, um, and, uh, I do it for animal welfare reasons. I agree. Cage-free, you know, is, is, isn't perfect. Um, but it's a huge step in the right direction to get animals out of cages. Um, and I think, uh, Californians, whether they're vegans or meat eaters or anywhere in between, we can agree that's just wrong to lock an animal in a cage so small she can't turn around their entire life. Uh, and I, you know, if the critics, you know, it, it's worth noting that like the animal protection community is overwhelmingly in favor of this in terms of the leading groups that protect farm animals. Uh, in terms of the couple of groups uh, that criticize it, uh, we'd love to see the, them <laughs> introduce a ballot measure. Maybe we'd support it. Um, but, you know, it's very easy to, to, you know, especially when you're a vegan only group to say, well, this isn't enough. Well, uh, this is a major, major step in the right direction. Thank you. Yeah, great question. Thank you. Um, all right, so while the next question comes up to the mic, okay, good, we have one coming up. Um, I will wait for her to, there you go. So where do farmers stand on Prop 12? Yeah, so um, some in, in the corporate agribusiness um, are against, like the National Pork Producers Council, which is a DC lobbying group for um, large-scale pork um, producers that want to continue to lock animals in these tiny cages. But um, in, in terms of California agriculture, uh, and especially, you know, more um, responsible farmers, more uh, sustainable farmers, they're overwhelmingly on the side of, of wanting to pass this ballot measure because they're tired of these factory farms that come in and push out small farmers being able to cut every single corner, and uh, they think those, those facilities should be held to a certain uh, standard. So we've got more than 100 uh, family farmers across the state. We've got um, the uh, a couple of groups, uh, United Farm Workers, fo uh, formed by uh, civil rights and labor uh, hero Cesar Chavez, has endorsed the measure. Um, the National Black Farmers Association, National Women Farming Association, have endorsed, um, as has Organic Consumer Federation, California Labor Federation, California Democratic Party. So uh, this measure is... Uh, a good solid step for uh, not just animals and food safety, but for the future of, of sustainable farming. I, and I was gonna say though, uh, you know, if Bradley was here, I guess he would list the opponents. So on Ballotpedia, they list the opponents as 
to, to Proposition 12 is the Association of California Egg Farmers, Friends of Animals, so opposite direction, Humane Farming Association, that's Bradley's organization, the National Pork Producers Council, and PETA. So those are listed there as the opponents. Yeah. And on terms of, for those of you who are, are interested in animal advocacy groups, if I could just name a, a few. I mentioned the California shelters. But in terms of who's supporting it, Humane Society of the United States, ASPCA, Mercy for Animals, the Humanely Compassion Over Killing, Compassion on World Farming, uh, Animal Equality, and many more. And these are all the groups that have actually been involved in making real um, progress for farm animals over the last decade. All right, next question at the mic. Um, does Prop 12 do anything for hens besides uh, just me make them cage-free? Yeah, so I, I think that's a, a really important point is, um, in, you know, as I touched on a bit earlier, but I'd love to go into, like, uh, a factory farming uh, is currently uh, in these barren cages. They can't do anything that's natural to them, um, you know, besides eat and stand. They can't even really lie down comfortably. Um, but these behaviors that are so crucial to hens, uh, this would be a big step because it would get them out of the cages so they can walk. You know, It would give them these different levels so that they can you know, move up and down those levels. It would give them perches uh, so that they can perch at night. It would give them dust bathing and scratching areas, which is something really important to them. Uh, and it gives them nest boxes, which they crave that uh, kind of safe space to, to lay an egg, uh, as opposed to in a battery cage where they can't. Uh, they just, you know, it's just, you know, six or eight other birds crammed into a space of the dimensions of a microwave. Thank you. Um, I have a couple more questions. And so for anyone else who has one, uh, another question to add, uh, now's the time. Um, but I'm looking at the arguments. And so we have a spokesperson of the National Pork Producers Council who said livestock production practices should be left to those who are most informed about animal care, farmers, and not animal rights activists. Additionally, changes in housing systems, which come with significant costs that increase food prices, should be driven by consumer purchasing decisions, not the agenda of any activist group. So I guess I read that as saying, you know, can't you, why does it have to be a ballot initiative that's put on by the Humane Society? Can't you trust farmers who know what they're doing? And aren't some of these changes already happening because of consumer demand or consumer taste and trends? That's what drives the market and that's what should be driving us making the changes to our production practices. How would you respond to that? Yeah, well, National Pork Producers Council, um, it's interesting that they are speaking on behalf of farmers as opposed to the uh, large factory farming corporations they actually represent. You know, the farmers, the farmers who are trying to do the right thing uh, for the environment, for animals, uh, are, are overwhelmingly in support of this measure. And that's because uh, for so many years, uh, and you all know this, I'm, I'm sure you know this, you know, like the back of your hand, uh, responsible farmers have been pushed out by corporate agribusiness that treats animals more like machines than the living be you know feeling beings they are that treats workers you know uh like horribly <laughs> and uh that's why united farm workers and uh, national black farmers association and all these other different groups that want a more sustainable uh responsible agricultural future 
uh, are, are endorsing the measure. What was the other part of that? Oh, I think consumer taste and trends. Should yeah. that be the main So it, it's, um, we are, I, I mean, that's a big part of our work is getting corporations to make uh, pledges to improve uh, improve work. But, you know, a corporate pledge is, is only good as, you know, the current CEO's word. Uh, and putting it into law, modest, common sense standards makes sense um, both to, to you know, solidify the progress, but also to ensure that any outliers who might mislabel or might deceptively label, that they all have to follow the same standards. All right, next audience question. All right. Um, I want to thank you for going into, into detail about the um, conditions of the hens and uh, how much they would be improved. But I would uh, appreciate some more details on what benefit the pigs would have, what benefit the sows would have, um, and I guess the veal calves too. Um, what about this measure goes beyond what was required under Prop 2 uh, specifically? And yeah, just what would happen? Yeah, great question. So. Uh, in California, because of Prop 2, um, it essentially did away, or it essentially banned um, the worst crates in, in California because of that behavioral standard. Um, Prop 12 sets minimum space standards for these animals as well, just to further strengthen if anybody ever tried to build um, a pork breeding facility or a veal facility here. But what it helps so much for uh, for pigs and calves, you know, a pig and a calf doesn't matter. It doesn't care if they're in Iowa or they're in, you know, in Shanghai or in, you know, in, in um, Sacramento. Uh, so it requires that all pork and veal sold here come from facilities that don't uh, use those those horrible, horrible cages. Um, and the alternative is what are called group housing pens. And these allow, you know, pigs, calves are very social animals. Obviously, like any creature uh, with legs, they want to walk. Uh, and uh, this gives them ability to, to move around uh, and to socialize with some other animals. And it's significantly, uh, it's a significant step up for, for calves and pigs as well as hens. Thank you. All right, so we'll wrap it up with one one question, one last question for you. Um, I think many of the discussions we've had, there's been uh, panelists, um, typically on both sides, that agree, oftentimes that the legislation, the legislature needs to do a better job sometimes in in regulating or managing these things, and because they don't, that's why some of these ballot initiatives are on the ballot. So we have a new governor coming in in January. We have a new legislative session starting in January. So whether or not Prop 12 passes, what do you want our legislature and our governor to do or to consider in terms of, you know, legislation, um, farm farm focused. Uh, humane farming, raising animals, uh, in terms of legislation and, and oversight? Well, um, thank you. The, uh, this is our, our top priority, and I, do, I, I don't think we can, you know, um, overlook this measure. Um, and if people are interested in getting involved, our website is yeson12ca.com. 
and we'd love to have you volunteer again. Yes on 12ca.com. We're really looking for volunteers. This is uh, spurred, uh, although it has a, a bunch of nonprofits behind it, it's a, a huge amount of grassroots energy and agribusiness, especially in the next few weeks, the corporate factory farms are going to be pushing out a lot of misinformation. So please encourage your friends and family to vote yes on 12. Um, and please, if you feel so inclined, uh, join us. We'd love to work with you over the last few weeks. In terms of future progress, um, you know, with the next governor, uh, there are a lot of problems with factory farming. Again, I don't think uh, I, that, that comes to a shock to anybody uh, here. There are environmental problems, there are worker safety problems, there are food safety, and then there are tremendous animal welfare problems. You know, one, one, one consideration is chicken cheese for meat, which are different from chicken cheese for eggs, are bred to grow so large so fast that they often become crippled under their own, under their own body weight. Um, you know, things like that are things that we would, we would definitely want to explore. But um, if California um, comes through and votes yes on 12, uh, we can have those important conversations. It's, it, it, you know, if um, the corporate ag wins and confuses enough voters and doesn't pass, it's uh, hard to see the legislature making real steps forward in the future on animal welfare and environmental protections from the worst of the factory farms. All right, thank you very much for for flying all this way. I'm sure there are other things besides this event, but appreciate that. And thank you for listening. I wanna say one last thing. Uh, we are doing our last policy, policy to pint on election 2018 issues back here uh, on Monday. We're actually gonna be looking at one of the races, I guess the most costly race or most high profile race, the superintendent of public instruction, the chief of schools, which has got a lot of interest. Kind of like this proposition, it's kind of all over the place. You know, you never know who's gonna support who. Uh, but we're, we're gonna uh, have that on Monday, also for a podcast. And if you just wanna keep posted on what we're doing, because we're now planning 2019 events, more policy and pints, we do have our setup sheet here. Uh, we do a monthly e-newsletter so you can keep posted. And obviously Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So. Thank you very much, Chris, for coming to talk with us. This definitely was a, a new event for us, trying to play Devil's Advocate. And thank you guys for coming out. Appreciate it. Thank you all. You've been listening to California Groundbreakers. Tonight's Policy in a Pint conversation was held on October 17, 2018, at Roostallers in downtown Sacramento. Many thanks to panelist Chris Holbane from the Humane Society for joining us. Also thanks to J.E. Pano and Zoe Pineda of Roostallers for hosting this event. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Find out when our next event is by going to our website, californiagroundbreakers.org.